geography class was literally just like, and here's Texas. Like, I don't know where anything is. Okay, I don't know where Italy is. When I got into my mom's voice, one of the challenging bits was my mom spoke to me in Spanish and the audiobook was in English. I think we were on the second beer when Jimmy said, wow, you've got to start an Instagram account. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet best-selling author, actress, comedian, and producer Phoebe Robinson. One of Silicon Valley's youngest entrepreneurs, Michael Saman, and mountaineer and adventurer Rick Ridgway. Taking inspiration from their life and experiences, each of these authors created their audiobook. Step behind the mic with them to find out what they were inspired by and why they're excited to share their stories with listeners. Enjoy. Hi, this is Phoebe Robinson, author of Please Don't Sit on My Bed and Your Outside Clothes Essays. I was inspired to write this book because during COVID, especially the early days, I was reading a lot of essay collections and also fiction novels. And the first essay that I wrote for this book was hashtag Corn Bay. And so I was noticing all these funny things that Bake Off and I were doing that were slightly annoying the other person or making the other person laugh. And I was like, oh, that could be an essay. That could be something. And then I had this old title, which I didn't use. I think the original title was Diary of a Bitch in Quarantine, which I thought was like funny. So it just gave me this sort of idea that maybe I could just sort of write about the things that I've been thinking about in quarantine, such as, you know, performative allyship, me starting therapy, sort of just talking about not wanting to have kids because a lot of my friends were having kids or just had kids right before COVID. So that was very top of mind. So I think I just really want to sort of put down on page or in the audiobook all my thoughts that I was having in my head during 2020. And here we are. Okay? Quit being so nosy. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be fun. I will say for my previous two audiobooks, I didn't have fun because I was in my head and, you know, it's always hard to get the performance right and to just sort of when you write a funny book, you want to make sure you're like nailing the jokes. And so the first two books, I was really in my head about it, but I got through it and it turned out well. And this time I just went into it sort of like a veteran. I'm like, this is my third audiobook. I know how to read aloud mostly, so (laughs) I could do multiple takes if I screw something up. And I ended up having such a fun time. And so I'm like, I want to do another audiobook again, not like tomorrow, but like in the future. I had a blast. I realized I had trouble pronouncing Namibia, and I'm going to blame that on the American educational system because... It can't be my fault. I feel like geography class was literally just like, and here's Texas. Like, I don't know where anything is. Okay, I don't know where Italy is. All right. I don't know where the Swiss Alps are. So I feel like anything geography-wise, I'm always like, 
was this a country that was established last week? Like, I'm like, where do all these countries come from? So that was rough. The thing that I am proud that I was able to do with this audiobook, I think writing openly and honestly and speaking openly and honestly about the decision for Bake Off and I to not have kids and not sort of try to find moments to make a joke because I'm being vulnerable. Like, it was just really nice to sort of, at this point, being okay with being vulnerable and being serious. You know, it's something that a lot of people are thinking about. Certainly in my age group, was like, whether or not they're going to have kids or they're going to freeze their eggs like or they already have kids. And so... I think I'm really proud that I was able to help other people, you know, give them the license to accept that it's okay to be on the fence and that they will figure out what's the best thing for them. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast, you know, I think I would go British just because I think Brits make everything sound elegant. So to hear like... Gordon Ramsay or Idris Elba, just having them read about the time that I shit myself, I think would be so funny only to me. I think they would be horrified. I think they would like fire their agents and be like, how did you book me on this gig? But I would thoroughly love it. So yeah, those two dudes. I guess I should have said a British woman. Oops. I know they exist. (laughs) I can't think of one. The last great book that I read was, ooh, that's a good one. And it's nothing against audiobooks. I just love holding a book in my hand, so that's why. You know, one of my favorites that I recently read was Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. That book is brilliant, and I think they're turning that into a TV show I'm such a fan of hers and like I really want to meet her and just tell her how much I love her work and then just let her go back to brunch. Like she doesn't need to say anything back to me. I just am such a super fan of hers. My favorite place to read a book is honestly on my couch in my living room because we have a nice size window in our apartment. Not to brag. I just realized how douchey that sounded. I have a nice size window. It's like, good for you, bitch. But I get like a lot of nice natural sunlight in. So I tend to wake up early in the morning, like 6.30, 6.45. And so I, I'll just make a cup of tea and then I'll just sit on the couch and I'll read for an hour. It's just really peaceful. And I think it's such a nice way to start the day. So, yeah. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook, narrated by Idris Elba. Just kidding. (laughs) You know the saying? Yes, hardworking Beyonce can have an even harder working and sassier alter ego of Sasha Fierce, but what's actually cooler is that Phoebe Robinson's hardworking self has an alter ego of Black Garfield. Just lounging in bed, eating lasagna, and avoiding wash day. Oh, you're not familiar with that old adage? Then you should probably read less James Baldwin and more of my diary. 
And yes, this is the first time in Black history that someone has suggested reading less James Baldwin, which is why I will never be a professor, because I'd be like, class, did y'all read what happened on The Shade Room last night? And then get everyone A's regardless of their answers. Moving on. Hi, this is Michael Saman, author of App Kid, How a Child of Immigrants Grabbed a Piece of the American Dream. I wrote my book because a lot of what I went through in life wasn't really being covered or talked about when I was being celebrated for some of the successes in my childhood. I grew up with Peruvian and Bolivian parents in Miami, learning how to code on my own, trying to find my passion in life as I kind of put things together with what I could gather from the internet. And that led me to creating apps that started generating revenue. With that money, I then ended up using that money to help my parents pay for the bills as they themselves were struggling financially due to the Great Recession. After that, I ended up going to work at Facebook when I was 17 and then joining Google when I was 21. I grew up surrounded by people celebrating these little things and little details of the apps that I'd publish or the jobs that I'd landed in Silicon Valley and so on. But... My life itself couldn't have been more different than the things that were being portrayed. And I felt like other kids out there who end up in similar situations or end up kind of growing into careers as they chart their own path might benefit from being able to understand that some of the challenges that they're going to face in their family as they start exploring their own career is not going to be easy. And that's kind of normal. What inspired me to write this was seeing other people who they themselves wanted to share their stories and could have been a little bit afraid to do so and watching them do it, right? So I've seen other people do this too, right? Like I've seen people come out and say, hey, look, this is actually what happened and here's actually how it went down and them talking about how they were scared of doing it. I wanted to do that as well. I didn't want people to assume that successes are all this happiness and sunshine and rainbows. And instead, I kind of wanted them to see like how similar it is to anyone else's situation. And hopefully through that, be able to kind of get other people to see that they're not that far from it either. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, maybe that word would be scary. (laughs) I tend to be a very scared person, despite the fact that I take all these kinds of risks and I jump from one place to the other and I make these moves. I'm still scared most of the time of pretty much everything. I think I kind of operate that way anyway, Um, like this dual scared slash I'm going to do it because whatever. I don't like my voice at all. I hate it. I am uncomfortable with it. And, you know, while you're recording an audiobook, you have these headphones where you can hear your voice really, really loud. And it's kind of uncomfortable. So I was a little scared and I was nervous that I wouldn't know how to like convey the emotions correctly. I was scared that I wouldn't be able to kind of get into those moments. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a couple of things. Growing up speaking Spanish, there's some words that I just never heard of in my life that I think most kids who grow up speaking English, they just kind of know, right? I would say more than that, The book has a lot of characters, right? My mom, my dad, some of my friends. And I guess the challenge for me was like, 
how do I do those voices? I've never done voice acting before in my life. So, for example, when I got into my mom's voice, one of the challenging bits was my mom spoke to me in Spanish and the audiobook was in English, right? So in order to kind of do my mom's voice in English and get her emotionality right, <laughs> before every quote, I would say my mom's sentence in Spanish. I would literally put myself in the situation and try and mimic my mom in Spanish. It would bring out the emotion instantly. And then I would just try and remember that emotion and apply it to the English words. Anytime I just tried to go for the English quote, it wouldn't come out right. So I have a newfound respect for the people who do voice acting for a living and who can do all different types of characters. Because to be honest, it's a lot of fun, but it's not that easy. I'm proud that I was able to capture a lot of the emotion from the stories. That kind of surprised me because I've always been told that maybe I don't know how to, you know, convey the right emotions or sometimes I'm not super emotional. So I really surprised myself with that. I spent a lot of time making sure that in every single story, in every single moment of that story, the ups and the downs, the fights and the, you know, just everything, I wanted to make sure that I could put myself in there and I could say the words exactly how I said them in those moments to really feel the feeling that I had then. And honestly, it was kind of crazy to see the voice kind of coming out. I'm excited that listeners will get a chance to see for real what it's like to grow up in an America that is so ever-evolving and transformative in, in this transition period that the country seems to be falling into. There's a lot to say about the fears of how technology and the internet consume more and more of our lives every day. For me as a kid, I dove right in. I got immersed in the internet world. This was a weird experience, I think, at the time, but I think we're all relating a little bit more to that kind of life today. I think it's very easy, for me it was at least, to kind of get lost in the emotions that I felt as a kid at that time. And I'm just really excited to see how listeners are going to really be able to feel what I felt. If I wasn't recording my audiobook, I would cast, hmm, maybe Jacob Tremblay. I know he did this movie called The Good Boys, and it was hilarious. And... <laughs> In so much of that movie, I think me and my friends always associated ourselves with some of those characters. It was, <laughs> it was really funny. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Awareness. It was interesting because I was going to read the book, but I decided, I don't know, for some reason to go in the audiobook. And honestly, it was fascinating. For me, it's always been a challenge to become aware of my own environment, to become aware of my own actions, my behaviors. Since I was a kid, and you'll see in the book, I struggled sometimes with being aware of what exactly was going on. And that book, I think like many others in that same category, really helped me kind of understand that at a deeper level. I mean, the book was great. I really enjoy it, and I recommend it. 
My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is my car. Florida is a place where you have to drive for a while in order to get to any one destination, at least 15 minutes, and if you're going from city to city, maybe a couple hours or four. And a lot of times I would go to Disney World growing up and after I grew up, and it would be like a four-hour drive from Miami. So in those drives up and down to Orlando and back, I would spend a lot of time listening to audiobooks, and that quietness of the road and just focusing on the book really kind of let me dive into it. That's my favorite place by far in the car. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Uno, dos. There would usually be a long pause after those, just long enough for Mariana and me to jump up and finally do what we were being told to. For years, I made sure we never let our mom, it was almost always her disciplining us, get to the terrifying numeral that came after that pause. It was simply understood. If mami got to tres, it was over. Until, that is, the night when five-year-old Mariana called our mom's bluff. Hi, this is Rick Ridgway, author of Life Lived Wild, Adventures at the Edge of the Map. The book started on a long layover in Santiago Airport, Chile, on the way back from working on a film project with my friends Jimmy Chin and Timmy O'Neill. And I sat at the airport bar with them telling my stories, and I think we were on the second beer when Jimmy said, Wow! You've got to start an Instagram account. And Timmy said, hashtag old school. And by the time we left the bar and were on our plane, I had an Instagram account. And I started to get followers, including my daughter, Cameron Tambacus, who's photo editor at Patagonia. And as the followers continued to grow, Cameron convinced me to turn Instagram account into a book. So that's how it started. Originally, it was 50 stories of my adventures, but another friend of mine who appeared in one of the stories, Candace Davenport, the story of where we both ended up in jail in Panama. I needed to get her okay and approval to publish the story, and she read the whole book and said, you know, this is a bunch of stories that want to be a memoir, and you need to really make it more short and more concise. So I did that, and I ended up with 25 stories that, in the end, did become a memoir, a reflection on over six decades of going on adventures to the most remote places in the world. I think the one word to describe the experience of recording my book as an audiobook would be poignant. There was a few words recording this book that I kept making a mistake between how I said it and how I wrote it. And one word was towards. And I realized all my life, I've always said towards, and then I wrote toward. I guess if there's a lesson there in my next book, I'll write towards. Well, I'm not sure I should be excited about any part of the book that I just recorded. It's the first time I've done this, but I suppose if there was something I was most proud about is Well, I don't know if it's that I'm proud about it, but what happened was telling the stories of Jonathan's death 
a close friend of mine who died in my arms, of my friend Doug Tompkins' death when we were both in a kayaking accident together, my wife's death. I relive those so vividly. And it was emotional. There's no way around it. Now, that's not to say that the book's all about dying. I have as many parts in the book, I think, about the joys I've taken from my friends as the grief and sadness I've experienced with their loss. If I wasn't going to record my next book as an audio book, I would hope it could be read by Tom Brokaw because he's a personal friend. He's a character in my book, and, and he's just got that voice of God, doesn't he? I suppose, like just about all of you listening to the podcast, my favorite place to listen to audiobooks is in cars on long drives through remote places. It's just such a, a wonderful compliment to a road trip. And now, let's listen to a clip from my audiobook. The American Bicentennial Everest Expedition was one of the last of the old-school expeditions in the style of the first British teams that attempted Everest in the 1920s and 30s. We were approaching the mountain the traditional way, beginning at a trailhead a two-hour drive outside of Kathmandu. From there, the trek to base camp was 170 miles and would take a month. The size of the expedition was old school as well. 12 climbers, 44 Sherpas, and a little over 600 porters hired from the lowland tribes. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.